0: Thanks to everybody who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Dan Lane, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Tim Edwards, Ilya Elia, Roland Robertson, Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show from $1 per episode, go to 361podcast.com slash support.
1: Ben has one dog. Jake has two fish. How many fish are there? What? I'll say that again. You won't think about this. Ben has one dog. Jake has two fish. How many fish are there?
2: I don't understand that. Well, how many fish are there what?
1: This is one of those math questions where you have to listen.
2: Are you going to tell me the answer is you know 3.14 recurring or something like that? It's not two fish.
1: No, I just kind of yeah. need an answer from you. This joke isn't really working if you don't interact with it.
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were trying to test my IQ. Well, And, you know, having not been to uh, Oxford.
1: We're doing that at the same time, coincidentally. Right, should I say it one more time? Okay. Right. Ben has one dog. Jake has two fish. How many fish are there? Two. No, three. Ben's dog was just a red herring.
2: <laughs> so that's, that's that's very good. Thank you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod.
1: I'm Ben Smith. And I'm Rafe Blanford.
2: This is Season 19, Episode 5, and this week we're talking about subscriptions, long-term reviews of Working From Home kit, and we offer our video conferencing tips.
0: Chaps, how are you doing? Yep, hello.
1: I'm good, thank you, Ben. How
0: about you? I'm oh, good, thank you. It's nice to be asked this early in the episode. So mm. we're back again, still recording remotely because of, well, we're all in different places. You and McLeod, you're still in Muscatamon. How is it in Muscatamon?
2: I wasn't expecting to not be here. I'm just pointing that out. So it's lovely. It's very nice. It's cooling down a little bit more. Yes. I was just
0: I was just thinking back yeah. to the days. It's
2: dark outside it's <laughs> for the listeners.
0: Dark outside, good, right? That's important. Yeah. I was just remembering the days when we all used to get together and... um Sit in Brick Lane and record it, like you know, you know. Order food, and order food. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. what I remember. Just the yeah. salad.
2: Oh, always, always the salads. In case my wife's
0: listening, exactly. Yeah, always salads. Just be having a, a salad and a glass of tepid tap water, and saying no, that's that's right. That's enough for you me. Had Thank you had to
1: watch me eat a burger or something really delicious because I don't have a wife. I'm not sure that was quite the trade-off I was looking for, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs>
2: no, <laughs> but we always like to watch you eat food, blunt food.
0: Rafe yeah. is the bad influence on us. Rafe Blanford, how are you? You're in central London. Yeah. Tell us about the here, Blanford.
1: I am. A non-specific time reference to uh, London is required at this point in time, given we're a few weeks ahead. Yes. But winter is really drawing in, in the Northern Hemisphere. And we're now recording this properly in the nighttime, whereas before I used to enjoy the evenings light coming in
2: winter's coming come on yes is it dark at 4 p.m blanford
1: it's not quite that bad yet but i think when the clocks um, change we'll be in that changed environment but i think the big thing is like a lot of people elsewhere in the world sort of facing down more working from home so i think we're going to mention that for a couple of themes throughout the next few episodes
0: yeah we are I didn't think I was going to miss commuting, but I sort of am now just for the, uh, for the change of scene, if nothing else. Hmm. And um, I'm still at home at the same desk I spent all day at working at. So yes, I might just create a podcast desk on the other side of the room, just simply so at the end of the day, I can go, all oh, right, I I've finished my work here, stand up, turn around, sit down at a desk at the other side of the room. And right now I'm in creative mode.
1: Yeah, it can be like the fun
0: desk.
2: I went to an event. I went to an event, guys. You went out? Yes, I actually went out.
0: That's reckless. Did you consider the consequences?
2: There was a New Age Banking Summit here in Muscat. Okay. And uh, my colleague said, look, you'd be most welcome to come along. I said, oh, okay, all right, fine. And it was at the Sheraton Hotel. All hotels here are very, very nice. But the the place was, of course, completely deserted. I do feel for industry here. I walked in and I said, I've come for uh, the event. The guy went, yep, that way. Because there's there's nobody else in the hotel, it looks like. Quite unfortunate. And there were, uh, I think it was 300 people attending the event, but only 60 allowed to be there physically. Everybody else was remote. And then the seats were all very, very spaced out. And there was a guy with a special antiseptic gun going over the door handles every six minutes. And then the uh, every time someone came up to speak, there was a delay because someone had to come up and then wipe down the speaker lectern. Wow. All very, very well managed. It was a networking event. Now, it's my first time at a networking event in Oman. And not only my colleague was saying, of course, socially distant. That's so-and-so from so-and-so. And I I look over at someone wearing a mask, who I don't, yeah you know, right. And, goes, and that one there, I think that's so-and-so wearing a mask. And then our bank, we won two awards. CEO won an award, which is great. And then the bank itself won an award. Now, the, the only challenge here is the photos. You know, the very prestigious award had been given out by the, uh, the grandee chap. And then our CEO's on stage. But, you know, there's just two people wearing masks. It just doesn't. You
0: know. I would have thought the lovely sunshine in your part of the world outside would have been the best place for lovely photos. Nice, bright sunshine and everything. But
2: We had to film it, it had to be recorded and so on. But it was it uh, it was it was nice to get out, yeah. but not really. You know, because yeah. everyone's doing this going, hello, okay, you're talking through your a ass, which is not very good. Yes. At all. Yes. yeah. But you can still hear me because I'm buttery smooth. Buttery smooth. Unlike Mr. Hare here. That's Rafe.
0: I have to say, I was feeling sorry. For, so uh, I've been doing a bit of work with Slack recently. They're helping us roll out Slack in my current client, and and I've been talking to some of their team in the UK, just giving a, a hand, helping introduce them to some people that would be useful elsewhere, and it's been great. But they run their Frontiers conference, which is obviously their big global event, and I've enjoyed it in the past because it's been really fun to listen to how different companies have sort of built Slack into their workflows and stuff from, right. you know, kind of coding up bots and doing kind of automations and stuff all the way through to just, you know, kind of this is how we make remote working fun, you know, by, by using Slack and stuff. And I felt a bit sorry for them because they're running this Frontiers event and it's great, but it's not the same buzz as when you all troop off to, you know, central London and we went to the Excel Centre and there was, you know, kind of nice food and chit-chat and, and Pardon. in it was just nice to stand around and have a chat to everyone afterwards. Right, right, right. I thought you said something else, yeah. Chit chat because you'd see the speakers and then you get a chance to say, "Oh, you know, how did you solve this problem or that problem?" And of course, you know, mm. remote events are all quite structured and formal, and you know, kind of there's not a space for that. Oh. Anyways, uh, we should move on. Ref Blanford. It says here in letters, uh, postcards. So, um oh, yeah. why why does it say postcards on my list of things to talk about? Go on, then tell us more.
1: Well, we've talked in the past about TouchNote, which is a great app for sending postcards from your phone. But I just wanted to share a kind of non-tech, non-digital story. Change behaviour in lockdown have been communicating with friends and family much more by just using postcards because it's nice to get them through the mail. And I was particularly proud of a purchase I made this week. The Royal Mail issue sets of stamps and often around a theme and one of them is around Roman buildings in the UK. So I now have a set of postcards which feature these stamps which have really nice bricks and Roman concrete on them. So I just wanted to share that with all the 361 listeners.
2: Can you hold up the camera? You know, it's just for proper podcast etiquette here. But Ben, you and I need to go,
1: ooh. the Roman lighthouse.
2: The lighthouse, that is very, where is that then?
1: I'll have to open the packet to find out where it is.
2: No, it says on the front, on the front, it says on the
0: front. I'm going to guess next to the sea. Oh, Dover. Dover.
2: Okay, that's really cool. Very impressive. <laughs> Would you
0: keep your lighthouse? Oh, inland. I <laughs> don't like it to get wet.
1: <laughs> it's just a reminder for me that we talk all about digital, but actually just doing something the analog way can be a bit of fun. And that, I've really enjoyed getting postcards and letters through snail mail during lockdown. So just to prove I'm not married to my phone all the time.
2: Can I just ask there, Ben, I, I think that could be a thing here, right? I think there could be an incentive here for our listeners. Oh, Right? Would you like Uh-oh. a genuine, genuine Blandford-authored postcard sent to your address anywhere on the planet? Good idea. With special words from the man himself. I think a lot of people would like that. I think that's an incentive
0: and a three-six-one yeah. sticker. How
2: about that? And a three-six. That that is awesome. Yeah. I think yes. Come on. So I think, uh, now Rafe is looking, his his mouth is hanging open here, in shock, I presume, Blanford. I think this is a thing. I reckon some of our listeners here, majority of our listeners, would love to receive a handwritten, Roman (laughs) concrete-themed postcard from the man himself. Look, it's a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. Let's not overpromise. Well, yeah, and concrete. We
0: might be able to go better than concrete.
2: And Roman concrete, which is even better. Now I think, come on, you can write a few postcards here your Blanford, right? I don't know, we need to think of what's the incentive, what's the thing that you have to do?
0: Well, I'd, I'd like some reviews for the podcast. So how about this? So between now and the end of November, so let's give ourselves a little bit of a window. Right. So between now and the last day of November, if you leave a review, good or bad, we don't mind, but if you leave an iTunes, Apple podcast review, and then contact us through 361podcast.com, put something on Twitter, or send us an email through the contact form. Yeah,
2: link to it or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell us. And identify that the review has come from you. For every review, we'll send out something fun. And for one review, I will send out anywhere in the world an exclusive limited edition piece of 361 merchandise that I found in the cupboard the other day. The sole remaining Blanford Manor mug. Oh my gosh. I found one limited edition. No,
2: wait, I, I don't know. That is too I don't know if you should do that. Listeners, I don't think that, I think that needs to stay in a museum somewhere. I don't,
0: you're going to give it away. No, there is an archive copy as well. So there is a museum one, but I found one that was supposed to go out to somebody who didn't provide me their address ever. So yeah. we'll give that to one listener, the Blandford Manor mug. Yeah. Still brand new in box, box fresh, and uh, we'll issue that out to you. So um, go and leave us a review. But what about the postcards? Well, everyone will get a postcard and we'll pick one person to be blessed.
2: All right, so you do a review. Blanford will do it. Okay, but we need to limit this. right? We don't want to do a Hoover thing here because uh, yeah, there is a strong risk that yeah, tens of
0: thousands of our listeners...
1: I don't really think that's going to be a problem if I'm honest. I mean...
0: <laughs> there you go. There's a challenge, listeners. Ruth Blanford doesn't think <laughs> you're going to review the podcast. <laughs> And <laughs> believes he has the capacity to send you all a postcard or a sticker. Every single listener. So between us, we'll get you something out. Okay. Okay. Yep. So uh, between now when this is published and the end of uh, November 2020, if you're listening to this way in the future, sorry, you've missed your chance, then uh, leave us a review, good or bad, but just a review on the iTunes store, even if that's not the way that you listen to the podcast. And um, I'll pop something on our website about how to do that if you're mm. unfamiliar. And every review will get some kind of thank you or acknowledgement in the real world. And one person could win that exclusive, very limited edition and still box fresh Blanford Manor mug, which I But you're going to get a
2: postcard, photos. right? A cement yeah. themed postcard from Rick. Very exciting. Right. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we
0: planned that so diligently. Now we'd have to just sort out the logistics yeah, I mean, <laughs> after the recording.
1: Next time we talk about incentives before <laughs> the show and come up with some great ideas and then we change it. Without any consultation, it seems to be that I could be... I just
2: thought real-time...
1: You know, writing a few... But I mean, I'm fine with this. I mean, exactly. how bad can it be?
2: Look, there you go, listeners. We did surprise him. This We did this in real-time, okay? We sometimes plan stuff, but this was done real-time. And you can see because he's still shaking his head. Sometimes the magic happens live. Exactly. This is marrying some great passions here for Mr. Blanford, right? He does love physical mail. I think we all love physical mail. Yeah. He does love concrete. He really likes Roman concrete, okay, and stamps and, you know, that all that jazz, okay? So he's going to send you, if you do a review, he's going to send you a little postcard that will say, what will it say, Rafe? Give us a hint. Give us a preview. Sell it, please.
1: Well, obviously, it'll be customised to each individual. It'd be very wrong with me to reveal what that's going to be ahead of time.
2: Well, it was something like, dear, hello, Bob, thanks very much for your review. Lots of love, Rafe Blanford, Esquire, something like that. That's a minimum. Okay, right, let's move on. There we go.
0: If that isn't incentive enough. That's exciting though. Okay, we'll move on. If you want to leave a review and if you want to get a postcard from Rafe Blanford or win the exclusive Blanford Man and Mug, then um, go onto the361podcast.com and there'll be instructions on what to do front and centre on the website.
2: This is showbiz Blanford, showbiz.
0: I just wanted to cover one other bit of feedback. So uh, it seems... Um, It might be inconsequential, but I was just curious what listeners were finding. I am finding Alexa getting um, scarily smart. Don't say that. Echo, echo. Oh, sorry. My Amazon-based voice assistant getting scarily smart. So in the week, we were all sat around the dinner table talking about my boy had been drawing a picture of the sea or something or colours and the word turquoise came up and he didn't know what turquoise was. So we were saying to him it was a colour, sort of a bit blue and a bit green. And he said, well, sort of, what is it then? Is it blue or is it green, you know? And um, so my wife asked the voice assistant, is turquoise a shade of blue? That was the question she asked. And we were like, ha, 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 you know, like, Alexa's the source of all truth in this house. And uh, we didn't expect to get an answer. And this is the answer we got. According to another Amazon customer, turquoise colour is difficult to define. Most commonly, it's said to be a colour between green and blue. It's a similar shade to cyan. And in general, it depends on the particular shade. And then there was a pause and we were like, oh, that's a fairly thorough answer. And then she carried on. But turquoise colours wavelength is generally taken as 490 to 10 to the minus 9 metres. So it's probably closer to blue. <laughs> and so James is sitting there going, Alexa said it's blue. <laughs> we're like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> and it's just, I was amazed. Like, I didn't expect her to be able to answer that question to begin with. Right. And I certainly didn't expect her to take scientific facts. And like, I mean, he answered it so closely to the way that a person might, you know, like if you wanted mm. to make an approximation. So I'd really love to hear are people asking their voice assistants these kind of, you know, kind of help me with a problem questions. And have you got any other cases of it being very smart or very dumb? So please write in and let me know. I'm curious. I think we might do an episode on um, voice assistants in the future. But I was really amazed about how precise that was, but also useful because it's it's like it's five lines of text. It's not like the bad old days where it would just start reading out the Wikipedia article, which is just a dumb thing to do in response to a question.
2: Do you say thank you to your voice assistants? Uh, no, I do. My boy does. But he's polite. I always say thank you, but yeah. it's quite irritating that it doesn't really acknowledge it.
0: No, well, uh, I say like like. <laughs> I have to work pretty hard to get acknowledged in my house anyway. As <laughs> you're serving dinners or wiping bums, you know it's <laughs> pretty far down the priority list. <laughs> okay, dokie. Okay. So we should move on and it's a yeah. regular format episode this week. So we've got three mm. topics of conversation. And first up, Ewan McLeod, we yes. are going to talk about uh, when well it says here, the Xbox right. Ewan is going to buy. So just tell us a little bit about why you're thinking of buying an Xbox, but more importantly, I don't care about Xboxes. Why are mm. the new Xboxes particularly interesting in terms of how you purchase them?
2: This caught my attention. So we have an Xbox at home. It's the Xbox, whatever it is, the one that isn't the new one coming out now. I enjoy just playing with the boys with it and the same with the PlayStation. We got the Xbox because of the PlayStation and broken and then I managed to get the PlayStation to work again. So we've got two consoles and my wife is not impressed. Useful during this whole period. So I am in the Xbox world. We have got the Ultimate Game Pass, which I think is about £10 dollars a month. And we use that for the access to various different games that are age appropriate for the children. And I just saw recently, Microsoft, of course, the new Xbox is coming.
0: I'm beside myself. So excited.
2: Well, it looks pretty good, actually. New one's coming, and it's normally 449 things, <laughs> dollars, pounds, whatever. Right? Currency units. Thing. In that general region, okay? Yeah. But what they're doing is they're saying, look, if you buy the ultimate subscription, and I'll, I'll get the name in a minute, but if you're buying the subscription, and there is a subscription now, it's $34 a month. So you get your gaming subscription, right? That gets you 100 plus games, okay? Okay. And you also get the new console. It's a two-year contract, two-year minimum, $34 a month. Now that, I think, it's the first time I've seen it. It's like a phone. Exactly. That's what struck me. I thought that's a very interesting method of subsidizing the purchase. Because I think a lot of people would be aiming to buy the thing. But you know what? Why not subscribe to it? And I think it's a really, really interesting move. Because for the longest time, I've been very interested in the business, and personal economics around subscription, I think it's a really great way of accessing a market yeah, and of consumers being able to access a market.
0: I feel like I subscribe to my iPhone. You know, I, I'm on the upgrade program, so mm. I pay a fixed amount every month. Yes. And at the end, I can either keep the phone and pay some more or I can hand it back for a guaranteed value and then get the next one. And I, I tend to do that and I tend to pay about the same amount every month. Yes, But it feels a little bit more like one of those sort of car finance schemes where. You're sort of paying for it as you go, but I'm very aware that I've committed to the year and at the end, it's yes. the onus is on me to hand it back or to pay the money. But yours sounds a little bit more like a pure kind of subscription. Uh, Rafe, before the mm. show started, you were saying you've just sort of taken on uh, just a, a content subscription. So this would be the equivalent of the game subscription part of mm. this, this Xbox bundle. So just tell us quickly about that.
1: So I subscribed to Kindle Unlimited and I actually did this at the beginning of lockdown, To get access to some more content, and I sort of had the three month free trial, and obviously that came up for you. And I had to think about whether I was making the most of it. And it comes down to essentially: do I read enough books through it that I might otherwise buy to kind of provide a bit of value? And honestly, it's pretty close on that because it's not comprehensive. It's not a Spotify. It's kind of select books. Mm. But what you do also get access to is some magazines. So you get things like Empire. And then a whole bunch of fashion things, which aren't really my scene, but you do get T3, National Geographic. Delayed gratification. Uh, Not that, I'm sad to say. But enough in that kind of um, nature and science and sort of tech to make it interesting enough that I sort of go, well, that's kind of the equivalent to subscribing to one of these magazines. And so the magazines really only work well on the iPad. It's a bit annoying to read them on the Kindle. But I've actually surprised myself by reading a few books that I probably wouldn't have otherwise read. And it's interesting to see what is that kind of value boundary. You were kind of alluding to that earlier about what makes the bundle worthwhile. Now here, I buy a lot of books outright as well. So it's a bit different to something like the Xbox or some of the other subscriptions. But I've kind of just accepted it. And it's sort of one of those things that rather shamefully disappears into the monthly subscription along with something like Netflix. And I did it because I was reading more and actually it gave me more casual reading material. And that's where the magazines and then some of the books, there's a lot of self-published rubbish on there, but there's enough nice stuff to make me go, it's kind of worth it. For these specialist devices as well, I think the
0: subscription model works really well. So I'm kind of disappointed that you haven't got like a Kindle device as part of the deal, because if you buy an Xbox, it's Mm. just a paperweight until you get some games for it. So it makes absolute sense that, you know, if I get the device, there should be a way that basically gives me the device and games all combined because I need them. I think I said in one of the last episodes, but I was looking at the Apple One bundle, which is the games, the news, the storage, the bundles that Apple's putting out. And that's quite interesting, but it is just a collection of all their existing services bundled together. But I was thinking it really needs to be grouped in with the iPhone upgrade program now so that I get the phone... And I get all the services grouped in as well. And perhaps there can be some saving because I feel like I, you know, maybe maybe I'm not that special, but I feel like a premium customer, you know, guaranteed renewing my phone every year and that that should afford me some access to these services. Because although the phone is useful without it, in practical terms, I probably need a good number of these services in daily use. And certainly it feels odd to me that storage and backup and those kind of fundamental services and email and iCloud and those sorts of things aren't rolled in. But I think subscriptions are going to be the way of things. And initially, I would have felt a bit resistant to that model, Ewan, because if I'm going to pay all this money, I kind of mm-hmm. want to have something to show for it at the end. But actually, with something like an Xbox, in a couple of years, when you've had the use of the device and you've had access to all those games, yes. it's probably more of a hassle for me to get rid of it and upgrade it, rather than just to say to them, yep, yeah, bring me the next one, you know, just swap it over for me, please.
2: That's, I think, where we're going to be going I would imagine now, look, at the moment, this Xbox All Access, it's called, is only available in the States. I've been looking to see if it's going to be available in the UK. And, yeah, I think the simplicity at the minute for these guys is because they don't really want to take a risk. It's a bank that will fund it. You know, there's a 0% APR. We're still into that. It is a subscription, but after 24 months, I think you then own the device and so on. But I think there is room now to really begin to make this as seamless as possible. You know, just that's the deal.
0: Go Let on. me just jump in there then because there's one I want to ask you about that I think will be more your scene and that's Volvo Care. So you were saying, oh, you know, you've got to make the 24-month subscription. So Volvo have launched mm. a subscription service for some of their vehicles. It's in the US. Yeah. It's also launched just yeah. in the UK. And yeah. the big play there is that it's a relatively high cost. We're talking about many hundreds of pounds a month, but you can mm-hmm. get an all-in provided Volvo vehicle with insurance yes. and maintenance yes. and all those sorts of things as if you were leasing it. But critically, on a 30-day term, so, you can decide that you need a Volvo or you need a vehicle for a while. Mm-hmm. Just get yeah. it for that short period of time. Or probably, I think the incentive yeah. perhaps is for I don't know if I'm going to like this vehicle. So, I'll sign up. And if I don't like it, I can give it back. I'm not making a yes. 20, 30, yeah. £50,000 commitment. The
2: key here with what Volvo are doing is they're saying, look, XC40, right? That's the small compact SUV. It's £559 per month, including all taxes, right? Including that. So 559. Now that's expensive. That's expensive for an XC40. I think the lease price across two or three years will be, I don't know, 350, at least 200 quid less. But that's all in, all in insurance, tires, any other maintenance. So it's, it's important to think about that because that's hidden for most people. You pay your 200 a month on your loan or your 250 pounds a month on your lease or whatever. And then inevitably there's a cost for this, a cost for that, a cost for this, a cost for this, and You've got your £50 a month or your £10, whatever it is for your insurance. This feels expensive, but the point is you pay up front you have one-month trial, okay? So you can just keep keep it for one month, the car, and it's new, new newish, new, right? You can actually specify what car you would like. You can actually go and build your own. They'll deliver it to you. And
0: that's interesting because you're not having to give up that, oh, I'd like a red one or a green one or black seats or beige You can actually
2: say you can build your own. You can Mm. use their car configure. It takes a bit of time because it's got to be built, right? so you don't get it immediately. Oh, here we
0: go. So you can have a yeah. pre-specced car in one month or a personalised yes. car in two to three months. Okay.
2: Yeah. That's right. So within a month, they'll deliver you the car. The only thing you've got to do after that 30 days, you've got to keep it for a minimum of three months. You've got to give a three-month notice, right? Now, I think that's actually quite a smart way of testing, of playing. You know, now, look, it is more expensive than normal, but for the, the complete hassle-free you know, for a period of time, if you're looking at long-term rental, or your 30-day rental from these car hire firms, it just does not compete. This is amazing. Really, really good value.
0: I think the interesting thing here is as well, it's understanding that people rarely buy a brand new car outright with cash anyway. So they're normally financing it. So why not then wrap that up with an experience that makes it a more pleasant? Because in this case, Volvo will come and service the vehicle, they'll tax it, they'll insure it. So all of those kind of tedious tasks that make the experience of buying it less fun yeah. are all taken away from you. And I love the idea that you don't buy a car, you buy the ability to go places with yes. a certain amount of capacity and in a certain amount of comfort. Yeah.
2: So if I was in the UK, I would be using this, by the way. Yeah. I'd be using it. I love the idea of saying, I'll have the XC90. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think I'll go for the saloon. Okay. No, I'll check. You can change it
0: and actually I forget the name of the service but BMW are running a trial in central London in the UK and I, I wish they'd roll it out where you can
2: access by BMW is it? yes you
0: you sort of you can buy a sports yeah. car or you can buy the car that you'd like to have and then at sort of a weekend you can sort of drive to the garage and you leave your car there and you you pick up the SUV or you pick up something else yes. so that you're not sort of yes. constrained to having to choose a car that kind of you know you buy a car for the one holiday you take a year so you There's a membership
2: yeah exactly yeah yeah
0: You buy a massive car because you might need it to go on a long trip one day, or you don't buy an electric car because three times a year you take a trip where it would be inconvenient to charge it up. But actually, in this case, you could just swap it out for a more appropriate vehicle, and I love the idea of that subscription. Rafe, just before we finish, though, I mean, cars are lovely, but actually this is now creeping into sort of more mundane categories. I just wanted to talk to you about something I just noticed the last few days. So Candy, the uh, domestic goods supplier, is is launching a trial service called Wash Pass. And this is really fascinating to me, because for about £70, you get a £500 washing machine that goes into your house. But this is a washing machine that has dosing containers inside of it. So it has a Wi-Fi connection, and they send you detergent, which you then plug in in these little sort of canisters, and the machine charges you per wash. (laughs) It's basically a subscription service, so you pay a small amount for the actual hardware up front. But then you pay an ongoing fee to use it. And they send you all the detergents and things that you plug in. And when the device is running low, it orders up more detergent. And I was thinking that in some respects, this almost reminds me of how I remember buying appliances or my family buying appliances when we were very small, where the outright cost was often you know too large. So you would do a sort of a, a rentals or a subscription or something like that. It was quite common to have you know household appliances from places like you know, radio rentals in the UK. Mm. This is intriguing as well because there's an infrastructure behind this which is sort of dealing with all of the ongoing suppliers as well, including all the detergent. Mm.
1: Yes. I mean, it's fascinating to see this creep down. And I think this has been going on for a while and Amazon have pushed this with their kind of automatic fulfillment as well. But when you start to bundle it in the device, it's kind of combining different business models together. And you know, previously, I mean, I think the radio rentals type thing was basically... Being able to buy, you know, it was over a period of time. So it was essentially, you know, some kind of credit or higher purchase. Sometimes it was leasing as well. And that reflected the kind of economic times. This time, you can think about it from the consumer point of view. And I think what Ewan expressed there was the flexibility that it Mm -hmm. offers. And sometimes you'll access something, you know, that you wouldn't have been otherwise able to have. And, you know, that's what leasing has been about for a while. And it's worth thinking about those. I mean, the caution here is always, this is kind of playing on human behavior. And the point about putting you onto a subscription, particularly if it's monthly or time-based, it's sometimes you'll forget and actually you won't get value from it that month because you haven't watched Netflix or you haven't downloaded the book. And it reminds me of the old mobile phone subscriptions where you'd keep on paying for the subsidized handset because you hadn't upgraded to the next one. And regulation came in and kind of sorted a lot of that stuff out. So now you're automatically dropped down to a lower tariff or whatever it might be. But there is an interesting point there that subscriptions aren't always consumer friendly, you do need to do your total cost yeah. of ownership. But the thing I actually want to kind of finish this on is almost thinking about the business models that go along with this, because they actually tell you about where the value comes from, or why the companies are doing them. You know, Because the Netflix and the content ones are largely as a business model. That's the whole reason those companies exist. But if you look at something like the Xbox One in particular, I feel like they're trying to increase their addressable market by opening it up to people who don't want to make that $500 commitment initially. Now, obviously, over time, it can be interesting. So I would talk about that as almost addressable market, whereas actually I was thinking about Amazon and the Kindle thing for me. Actually, that's probably keeping me more loyal to Amazon. So it's probably less about access to the content and more about making me, use the Kindle more for reading and for magazines and for things like that. So it's almost like a churn management thing. And I'm not the first person to say it by any means. Prime video has also been identified in this category. Amazon have the data where if you're using some of the things that come with your prime bundle, you tend to then buy more things from Amazon. So it's good yeah. economics. But we're also starting to see things that kind of bundling is way of locking you in. Interesting, like Disney Plus is a bit like that. And that candy example you mentioned. It's yeah. starting to get there because it's taking away the choice, and we've seen the subscribe and save, and that's on Amazon oh. and plenty of other, you know, Dollar Shave Clubs, flowers, things like that. But it's interesting to me because people have like, I don't want to do subscription; that's every month. But actually, the value exchange is starting to shift as people realise actually that's quite good because it means I don't have to think about it. And I mean, it comes down to kind of human behavioural economics. People can only make so many decisions. So if you take some of that stuff away. They then make decisions about other things. So that's why people can find it quite liberating. That's why Netflix is interesting. Sit down, watch whatever you like. And that can be the tyranny of choice, but it can also be, are we going to rent something or not? And those are really worth thinking about when you're thinking about whether they're worth it. Think about the business model behind it. Think about the value you get out of it. And yeah, it's great because I think it adds more flexibility to the way you buy and consume services, which is generally a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think what's notable about and why I'm so enthused about for example the Volvo care and the Candy mm. wash pass and things like that is it's actually starting to move some of the financial liability back to the supplier in ways that I like as a customer because you know, you know like me you've probably got a few quid you know put aside for when the car needs a service or you know in case it needs some work and mm-hmm. you know I have to pay for the insurance and every year I have to shop round for the insurance and um similarly with the um, how many people have got um Insurance policies that protect all their home appliances in case they break. because if your washing machine breaks, particularly in a family setting, that's disastrous because you know it, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it can be really disruptive to life. So I, I love that idea, and certainly if the value of this piece of hardware that the wash pass does is really is 500 pounds, paying 70 pounds up front for it and then seven pounds a month over three years, and then either handing it back or um, having the option to buy it outright. Doesn't sound like a terrible deal, actually. You know, you've had three years of of brand new washing machines, so
1: it sounds quite good.
2: Yeah. do you know the, The key there is you don't have to go and buy washing machine detergent. They send it to you. Yeah. That's really valuable.
1: I think the one caveat for me is just a kind of word of warning on the end is if it's offering that flexibility, that's great. But sometimes this actually can be a trap for consumers to end up paying more for the same thing. And unfortunately the economic model we live in tends to push things that way because companies get greedy and certainly we talked about radio rentals and sometimes a never-ending payment for your tv or whatever it might be so i think they need to be carefully looked at and that can be for you know if you're in a more economically challenging situation like you have to understand what that's going to be but also it can be quite pernicious because it can be the only option to get a washing machine into your house and to your point ben you know not having that £500 saved up, and then it can be more over time. I don't think that's a reason not to do these things and not be interested in them. But I think when you think about these things, it's interesting to think about what perspective you have on it. If you're coming from one of privilege, there is actually another side to the story, which I think can be quite dangerous.
0: Yes, I, I suppose my optics here actually is I don't mind if it's 10, 15% more expensive because the headspace that the subscription gets me back is worth it. But as you say, that's because with these types of services, I'm probably a little less price sensitive and a bit more appreciative of the time and the the cognitive load. But uh, mm-hmm. these are probably not the ways to access these services if you are very, very price sensitive. Yet, but it, it's interesting because these are obviously all trials that Volvo and Candy and mm. I would argue probably even Microsoft are running at this stage. Yes, and uh, we might see different flavors of them targeting different sort of types of consumers. We're over on time on that one, but that is fascinating. We've talked about washing machines and Xboxes in the same segment, so uh, it's a first time for everything. There we go. Okay, up next, we are going to do a quick long-term review. Several episodes ago, we talked about the things we were doing to make our home offices livable and comfortable, and uh, maybe even productive. So uh, let's uh, do a quick comparison of notes then. Obviously, we can't review everything that we changed, but Rafe Blanford, let's get you up first. We teased you mercilessly, but actually I was quite jealous. And in the end, I got one the same as you nearly. You got a super fancy chair. and um, Turquoise. At the time, we teased you because it was a bit spendy. So let us know, was it good value for money? And what's your reflections if people are still sitting on a you know kitchen chair to do their work at home?
1: I think it's probably the best investment I made in lockdown. I wasn't anticipating sitting on it for as long as I have, if I'm completely honest. I can say over the lockdown, I haven't had any kind of back issues or things like that. And it's just been comfortable to sit in and sometimes realising you've been in it for almost 10 hours straight with a little break to have a walk around or go and get a drink. That's pretty incredible. And it sort of—it sounds really shallow saying this, but it doesn't take up much space. It's a reasonably attractive colour. So when I'm not sitting in it, it just sort of fades into the background, whereas the previous office chair I had was Kind of very kind of corporate, boring, utilitarian, whatever. I'd actually be quite happy if I had um, more than six people around, which obviously you don't at the moment. Having someone sit in this is a perfectly comfortable chair. The things I've really noticed about it is there aren't loads of adjustments on it. You know, when you get in a more expensive chair, sometimes it comes with loads of things and it's almost impossible to use, but it's the ones that really matter. So things like being able to swing the armrest out the way when you want to do something. Or bring that up and down if you're doing prolonged typing, then getting the support from your elbow upwards. And then being able to adjust the flexibility of the back of the chair, being able to lean back when you want to. So it's just one of those things where I definitely am paying a little bit of a premium for the brand. There's no question about that and the fact that it's a bit more stylish than your bog standard office chair. But the comfort of sitting on mesh cover through the summer was great because it never felt it got overheated or anything like that. And actually now it starts to get a bit cooler. That hasn't been a problem. It's still comfortable. So whether I would you know go for the most expensive one again, but I think it's one of these things, it's sort of the cliche, you get what you pay for. And I didn't go for the top of the line Herman Miller. There's a whole bunch that are kind of a, a step down from the air on. There are ways you can get it secondhand. But the kind of long-term review, really positive. I've enjoyed having it. And although it's a bit mundane, that thing that you sit down for hours on a day, it's just one of those investments. You go, I'm glad I did it.
0: I think stuff that you touch for extended periods of time. And so I used to rationalise this as laptops, but now I think keyboard and mouse and I, I'm with you, chair. You know, it's probably the things I have most contact with continuously all day, every day, apart from my clothes. It's amazing, you know, so to have cheap or uncomfortable ones, I'm totally with you. Just remind us. It was a Herman Miller, and let us know which one did you choose in the end?
1: It was the Mirror 2, and that's M-I-R-R-A, and it comes in kind of various combinations, and I sort of it a little bit, chose the colour and that sort of thing, and ordered it just in time, and I've noticed since then they've been quite hard to get hold of, because I was trying to get for friends and family sort of recommendation, and they said, oh, I can't buy it anywhere, so I tried to find places, and it hasn't been available. It's now become a bit more available. I suspect the supply chains and the logistics are getting sorted out. There are a bunch of others. And in True Ben's style, there are YouTube videos about the best office chair and all of that sort of thing. I think my advice would be look at the space that it's going to live in. Look at the things that are important for you. If it's about back support, there's probably some that are better reviewed for that sort of thing. I kind of went for the all-rounder, but also actually the size and the complexity of it I didn't want to be adjusting things every five minutes, and I've kind of adjusted it on a couple of occasions. And then, as I said, the armrests do change depending on the activity I'm doing. So I would thoroughly recommend it. It's definitely a thumbs up from me. I still feel guilty about spending that much on a chair, but then I realise, you know, across eight hours, across you know a hundred plus days of working, you know, I've sat in this chair for you know getting on for um, you know a thousand hours and. It's kind of hard to think about other things you use that much. Yeah, You know, phone is an, an obvious one, but actually i probably use this chair way more than I've used the phone in time terms. Mm. And it's had a better effect on kind of posture and not getting aching back. And actually, I think if I was then given that cost equation versus that kind of unknown or alternative scenario, probably be a bit of a no-brainer for me. So I think along with the 4K screen, which we talked about before, easily the best working from home investment I've made. Yeah. Five k
0: Hard endorse the mesh chairs, like you say, in the hot weather. Absolutely, amen to that. Swap my fake leather one out for a mesh one. Hugh McLeod. Hello. It says here, you are going to talk to us about a desk, but if you could try and make that more interesting than it sounds. Well,
2: first of all, it's got integrated Bluetooth. Integrated Bluetooth. No,
0: for what? I'm only no.
2: <laughs> no, sorry, no, it doesn't. I have a standing desk, uh-huh. and uh, it's something that I got the bug in Denmark, Nordea. Have a thing whereby almost every desk in the company is adjustable, height adjustable with a little little button. You have to do it manually; just press a button and the thing goes up and down.
0: It's very Danish.
2: Well, it's Nordic. I'd say it's Nordic because it's this is this is everywhere. Yes, across four or five countries, wherever I went, you know, wherever you touched down, wherever you worked, there was standing desk. Your desk always was standing. It could be adjustable, basically. I used it a lot and loved it absolutely loved it and I, i've got used to typing standing up and it's really really cool and i think month or two into lockdown maybe in month three i thought this is getting silly i now i need a standing desk because i was sitting down like both of you for ages yeah. ages and it's it's really bad really bad it is, isn't it sittings and you smoking or something like that yes so here i am an old man i went oh what's that website the um Wirecutter. Of course. I went straight to Wirecutter and I saw I saw they they had a very good brand recommended. I couldn't you can get it easily in other places but not here in Oman. So I found workspace dot AE in, in Dubai. They had a automatic adjustable one that you had to build. I got that delivered. I think it was about six hundred pounds. There enough. But that same answer. It's been absolutely fantastic. It took me thirty minutes to put it together, very easy. And then I have my two settings standing. And then sitting. And it's just fantastic. Rarely do I use a sitting. I'm feeling a bit tired now. That's because it's 11 p.m. local time here. And I've been standing the whole freaking day. Yeah. But that's good. I feel better. And I feel like I can have another iron brew, you know, <laughs> thanks to the fact <laughs> I'm standing. I would strongly recommend a standing desk. Now, IKEA, I was going to do IKEA. Yeah. The reason I didn't do IKEA, and they, they were very, very reasonable, the, the IKEA automatic standing desks or adjustable desks. The reason I didn't do that is because they were only 60 centimetres wide and I've got 80. I just, that extra 20 centimetres is worth it to me. I wanted more space on the desk. Otherwise I would have done Ikea.
0: So obviously you've got screens and laptops and on all the, you know, your kit and you've got microphone with a boom arm and everything. Yeah. And that, it's all perfectly happy to go up and down and the weight and stability.
1: Yes.
2: I've got three monitors, two 27 inch monitors. One's 5K. Thank you, Rafe.
1: Mm One more K.
2: Just saying. One better. Yeah. He's only got a 4K, listeners. he's only got a 4 Anyway, uh, I've got the 5K, I copied Ben, and then I've got another monitor on a, on a monitor arm, and then I've got the, the microphone boom arm, then I've got my laptop on a very special stand, whichever one Ben recommended. The Roost. The Roost. Look, it's all fantastic. It's really good. So it powers up and down brilliantly. I love it. Strongly recommend it. If you are at home, if you're thinking you're going to be at home for a long time, go and get yourself a standing desk. Even if you've not tried it, if you're half... Persuaded because it's really, really good. It's very healthy for you. Every time my colleagues see me on it, because I use it daily, well especially with the video, they like to say, "Have you got your treadmill?" Because uh, in the background you can see my treadmill over here. But um I have been thinking about getting one of those things where you—it's not a, an actual motorized treadmill, but it's something you stand on and then you start walking on it.
0: Oh, uh, for under the desk? Yes.
2: Yeah, it's like a walking treadmill thing. I've been thinking about trying that. I don't know how that would work.
0: Oof.
2: At the moment, I'm standing and it, it is. Completely brilliant. I love it.
0: I don't have a standing desk, and I'm sort of in two minds as to whether that was a good choice or not, because I bought a piece of furniture that could be just sort of a regular table, you know, kind of thinking that we'd only be using it as a desk for a short period of time. But uh, yeah, I do get up and walk around a bit, but you can only do it in meetings when you're not looking at a screen, can't you? And if you're just on the phone, it does rather restrict you. So my purchase then, I mean, we did a few purchases, and you mentioned the display. I am loving my 5K display, although. I've realised quite how much oomph you need in a device to drive that screen. But I think the ones I was to talk about this evening were some lighting that I got. Tell us more. I put two bits of lighting on my desk, which feels a little bit delicate and uh, sort of pretentious, but actually I'm, I'm really pleased with them. So I, I put some backlighting on my monitor. And what that is, is two LED lights that are just stuck to my monitor facing the wall. And what that does is I turn those on and it just illuminates the wall around My monitor, and sometimes you see this in sort of gaming setups and things. But actually, it's really good. It's really helped with the eye strain because if you're sitting in a dark room and you just have Mm. a screen that is just super bright all the time, I found it tired my eyes out a lot. So I actually have these lights on all day, and it just sort of illuminates the whole area. Just creates a nice, pleasant sort of pale light hue around the screen. What are they called? I mean, you can stick what you like to the back of a screen, but I already have hue lights around the place, so I use some hue play bars. These are actually intended to go behind televisions and monitors and they can synchronize with the colours on the screen and they can sort of provide backlighting, like sort of ambi light effects, like you you know, sometimes Philips talk about where the colours on the screen are kind of duplicated, projected up onto the wall. Although I can do that, I've actually turned all that off and I'm just using them as nice convenient LED strip lights that are easy to control wirelessly. And of course, because I have the ability to control my hue lights from my desktop, I can just the lights on and off or turn them up and down to be comfortable just from a little menu bar icon on my Mac. So I'm really liking that. And I'm sat in a very dark room at the moment, actually, and they're pretty much the only illumination that's going on in here. But even in bright daylight, it's nice just to have that brighter environment. So I'd recommend that. And you don't have to get fancy LED lights. I know other people have just plonked a table lamp behind their screen and projected it up on the wall just to give a bit of a that's what I've got. bit of a glow. Yeah. And then one more thing, I went out and bought an Elgato Keylight Air. Okay, what is this? Yeah, Keylight Air. Elgato. It's a square panel light, and it's used for people who do video tuition and gaming and anything like that. So basically, it's a light that you put in your desk and you point at your face, and it's to illuminate you whilst you're doing video streaming. Oh. And I played with lots of different options. And actually, the Elgato Keylight is a little bit pricey, but it does the job so brilliantly because Just pointing a light at your face so that you're nicely illuminated and nice and bright and clear when you're doing your Zoom calls or your customer meetings or whatever, it's really unpleasant to point a light in your face. You know, you're trying to look at the screen. So what you want is something that's really nicely diffused and as big as possible. So you have quite a large lit surface area, but of course, the brightness coming off that then can be that much reduced. And so I've actually got that turned on now because I sit in a room where I have a window on one side of me I perpetually looked like I was kind of in silhouette because everything behind me was brighter and I was really struggling so I've popped this on the desk I can turn it up and down again I can control it from my phone or from my laptop Have you got
2: a stream deck thing?
0: Like, Have you got the little button thing? No so the stream deck is an accessory that you can get where you can sort of trigger automations on your computer. And and some of those automations could be turning a key light on and off. And I haven't bothered with that yet because it's only the light and I can do it from my Mac. If I was doing more complicated video presentations with multiple cameras, for example, I might be inclined to get one of those. But again, you don't have to get a key light. But I think if you're spending a lot of time on video calls and you want to be clear and distinguishable, and I have to say one of my pet hates is being on calls where people have taken the trouble to turn the video on. But then you can't see them. You can't make eye contact. You can't have any human connection with them because they're sat with the window behind them.
2: You're looking up their nose or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I think that was great. And then the other thing is, of course, if this room behind me and listeners can't see, it's just an empty bedroom. Like We've taken all the furniture out. It's a room that's kind of in the process of being converted. If that's not the right tone for a particular meeting, if I've got an important meeting, being well lit means all those virtual backgrounds in Zoom and things work so much better because Zoom can pick you out versus your background. You don't have to have a green screen or anything like that, and it just adds some crispness. Interesting. So um, thoroughly recommend both of those. Eye strain, lights behind the monitor, and if you want to just up your game a little bit on Zoom cooling, Keylight Air is the smaller of the two, and i found that one of those perfectly adequate for my use.
2: We just talked costs for a minute, right, just so we know what's what's the cost then. So let, let's, I'll, I'll do an Amazon. Go on, so uh, Bar is it? Play light bar.
0: Yeah, so the the play bars ship in a pack of two and then you can buy one more as an additional accessory. 54 for one
2: and two for £119. Yeah, so
0: I wouldn't pay £120. They're frequently on sale for about £99 and with Prime Day coming up, this is the sort of thing that Amazon would discount. Or having been. Oh yes, sorry, as we record this coming up, probably having been. So just wait as I did for a bit of a sale. I think I paid about £99 for the two of mine. But again I I'd, I'd emphasize that I did that because I already had lots of hue stuff and I was invested in the ecosystem any kind of light strip would do the job the thing I would say would be just make sure that it does nice white light light blue lights you don't want kind of, you don't want warm tones cuz it put you to sleep <laughs> and then I think the key light air you're probably going to get that to me I think that's about 150 pounds if memory serves Keylight light air elgato
1: would you go for the one that's fourteen hundred lumens or two thousand eight hundred lumens so
0: for the key lights, I would say if what you were doing is like me, just wanting to up your game a little bit on zoom calling and things, just go for the air which is the fourteen hundred lumens one yeah it's enough to brighten up your face and to make you visible without sort of feeling like you're under stage lighting and I would say don't go for the key light itself, which is much much bigger and brighter unless you really have a kind of a prosumer need perhaps if you were If you were teaching classes or something over Zoom, that might be worth the investment, but not for everyday stuff. And also, I think if you're getting to the point where you need lots and lots of light, you would be better investing in two key lights so that you can have them positioned at the correct angle so that the light is coming from multiple different directions to illuminate you rather than just buying one massive light because there comes a point where you want light evenly distributed. And what I'm doing is offsetting the fact that I have a window. If I didn't have the window, my lighting needs would be different have a look at the Elgato website. They've got some cracking tutorials there. And the nice thing is that the Elgato software allows you to control multiple lights in kind of nice configurations as well. So uh, it all works well. Like I say, probably don't need both. I would start off with the backlighting first for comfort, but uh, this key light was a nice addition for being on camera for a lot of the day. So there we go. Okie dokie. Well, that's um, another opportunity to spend some money. But we were talking about video conferencing, as we were. Mm. I just wanted the last topic of the day, Just wanted to talk about how you two have been dealing with what feels to me like interminable video conferencing all day, every day. And Mm. some of it's good, some of it's bad. And what are you guys doing to make the best of it? Because I think lots of our listeners will be like us. You know, working from home because we can. Because we're typically working in sort of knowledge worker type roles, and you know, so we spend a lot of time on the computer. And you know, I don't know anybody in my profession and, you know, my circle of friends who isn't spending, you know, a good, a good chunk of the day on a video conferencing. So have you any tips for either the services that are working well for you or things that you can do to make it less painful? You're McLeod. You look like a man who's spent a lot of time on video.
2: Okay, right, yes. You can tell by the pale reality. First thing I've done is I have invested in some very, very, very good headphones. So
0: tell us what you've got.
2: Oh, gosh, I don't, what, what are they? Let me take them off. what?
0: what? Uh, oh yeah.
2: I had to have a look. It's the Jabra Jabra. no wait, you'll know because you, you bought them and didn't like
0: them. Oh, so these are the Jabra eighty fives, I believe. Jabra Evolve eighty fives. That's right.
2: So they're they're wired and I I've, I've got them because I wanted I specifically wanted wired. as I went and they were £250, I think. <gasps> I had them at Nordea. Someone at Nordea specified these yes. Jabra ones and the the entire Jabra range basically as ones that they wanted to use across the company. I missed these ones from uh, Nordic, so I went and bought these. They are fantastically comfortable the whole day, of course. I see Blanford, actually, he's got some different types. I've got the 85s. They're, they're the good ones. I think they're a bit old now, actually. There's some new versions, but I love the fact it comes with a special mute button that you sit on your desk and you can put the volume up and down. So headphones, very important to me. And I think that's been a key aspect because a, a lot of colleagues, they're still talking with their laptop. There's lots of ambient noise. It's quite annoying. For me, I need to be seen because of COVID. I have leadership responsibilities, so it's important people see me. So I'm, I always put the camera on, but a lot of other people just don't, they just don't do the camera. That's, it's okay, but I think you do lose quite a lot. So I spend a lot of time waving my hands around in, in an effort to try and communicate.
0: That isn't really changed behavior though, is it for you? No. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> but so so vid- I use video a lot. Yeah. So I, I'm very expressive on it, and especially when I'm talking to my team members. And you know, most of my colleagues, my close, as in those working in my area, they'll use video. Um, it's interesting across the rest of the company. And then when you're seeing partners, it's a complete random. I did uh, three video calls today with partners, new partners that we don't know. You we were meeting for the first time on Zoom or WebEx or Teams. And, you know, it's a complete mismatch. Sometimes it's exactly as you say, by the way, sometimes it's someone filming you know, in their living room and literally their laptop is filming up their nose.
0: Yeah, I hate that.
2: Yeah, they're presenting to us. It doesn't look good, you know, especially now we're six months in here, you know, the presentation layer is quite important. But yeah, sometimes they have video, sometimes not. And then I had one video pitch we did with a, a vendor we were interested in working with. And unfortunately, the guy's internet just kept on cutting off. You know, and it was really interesting, but we just, we couldn't hear him. So his, his partner, his, who was always on the call, he had to just talk through. It was quite frustrating there, the internet. So, I think that's also another thing that it is worth considering, is the speed of your connection. and you know, Are you wired? I think that's another one. So I've made sure I've got a wired connection into my machine. I made sure to buy the best I possibly could in terms of internet connections because there's a lot of colleagues that have had to all of a sudden go, oh, and you know, they've had to pay extra. And This I think is a corporate question for a lot of companies. Should you be subsidizing the internet expenses?
0: And those Jabra Evolve 85s that I think you've got on, mm. they've got some cracking noise cancellation in as well. So they're right. very comfortable to wear all day, I found, because yes. they go over the top of your ears. yes. They don't rest on your ears. They're the big cup. No, they're over it, yeah. And um, so they're particularly good. And I think I agree with you, actually, because even if when the video breaks down, really decent quality audio is brilliant.
2: It makes such a difference.
0: And actually, I started off lockdown with some wireless headphones because I liked the ability to sort of lean backwards and forwards and to sort of not be constrained by a wire. But actually, AirPods and even Jabra's own wireless headsets, which are Bluetooth, but they have a dedicated Bluetooth dongle so that it's more reliable than using the Bluetooth connection Mm. in your phone because Bluetooth has a very constrained bandwidth. And when you're using them for a voice call, you're doing both transmit and receive. If you're just listening to audio all the bandwidth is given over to the listening. And so you get nice, high quality audio. But actually when you're doing talking and listening, that bandwidth is shared between both. I found that wireless headphones, what they have in convenience, they often lack in clarity. So I actually gave up those wireless ones because I found that I sounded a little bit like I was talking on an old fashioned mobile phone, you know, kind of the very kind of crunched down low bandwidth voice. And so I did get some of the 85T, 85s like you've got there, and actually it was only the fact that they were faulty when they shipped to me that I got rid of them and there weren't replacements, so I had to buy a different mm-hmm. one. But they were particularly good.
2: What's that you've got at the minute then? What are so you
0: uh, now you're asking, so I have got the Jabra Evolve 2.
2: I used my AirPods for a little while until I realised it didn't work very well on the laptop. And then I used Bose, the new Bose ones, Yeah, for a little while. And then I just gave up. I haven't used, I haven't touched them for months now.
0: I did loads. As I realise, I'm playing to type here, but I did loads of comparison shopping and, and videos and things. And was um, there a spreadsheet? <laughs> nearly. I love my AirPods, but I discounted them because they were great for me, but poor for people who were listening to me because the audio clarity wasn't good. I gave up on the wireless Jabra's because they were better, but they still had that slightly crunchy voice. And actually sometimes if the Bluetooth was interrupted or if there was something interfering with the Bluetooth signal, it sounded fine to me, but people on the other end, oh, I don't like that. And and people were telling me, I can't hear you and everything sounds great to me. And that's very frustrating. So get rid of those. I've got the Jabra Evolve 240s. So I have the cheaper sort of on-ear baby brother versions, but the Evolve 2 range is newer than the ones you have there. And I'd say mm. check out the Evolve 2s because it or across the whole range of the 40s all the way through up to the I think they've, they've got Evolve 80s or 85s now as well. Check out those new ones because across the range they've improved it. Some of those high-end ones get really pricey now, but they've got noise cancelling, they're nice build, those sorts of things. Jabra software is grim. I have to say the firmware support and those sorts of things. Yes,
2: I don't use their software.
0: I like to have side tone in my headset and that's where you can hear yourself. You know, when you're speaking, I don't like when you're talking and you feel like because the headphones are clamped on your head, you can't regulate the volume of your voice. So I like to have a little bit of side tone and I have to use the software to configure that. But no, completely agree on headsets. And Rafe, I think you've got the Jabra Evolve 40s, the original version. So you and I have the sort of the first and the second version of those products. They're both USB wired headsets, aren't they?
1: They are. And I'd agree it's one of the most important factors. in you know, this extends the thing I'll talk about, which is sometimes the etiquette of actually wearing a headset rather than talking into AirPods mm. or your laptop microphone. And sometimes that's fine if you're in a very quiet room or you're close enough, but I do think you get better quality on the headset. And then that's also about not annoying those around you. And it's interesting going back into the office, which I've done a few times, actually being on the headset and having the discipline around that. Is actually helpful because obviously in that environment you have got more people around you you're not necessarily working in on, on your own but to extend that etiquette point it's hard you know being on video you talked about that and encouraging that but also some of the ways that i've made it kind of less wall to wall is you do take a couple of minutes to have a bit of side chat or a little bit of back and forth small talk some people are more comfortable with that than others it's harder when you're getting into a big meeting room but humor can be a useful tool to kind of set things up and I find myself having to be sometimes quite deliberate about it when people are kind of a little bit down but you're so dependent on kind of the culture of the organization or what you work for and shifting that behavior can be incredibly difficult and I've read things about people saying all meetings should be 55 minutes or 25 minutes Mm. to allow for that decompressed time it's hard implementing that kind of stuff and there is always a temptation to overrun because you just want to get that last few minutes in and I wonder how much you know that could uh, change things. The other thing I'm going to mention I've been trying various bits of software we talked about hmm, in an earlier episode and keeping an eye on that there's still some challenges there. Um, one of the ones that caught my eye recently just as an interesting idea is Cameron Hunter who I believe works for Netflix posted onto Twitter about a filter that he'd made using snap camera and snap camera is something you can add to your desktop and then basically have snapchat type filters or indeed the same filters that you'd get on your phone and you basically just set that as your camera rather than your default camera device and it allows you to you know all the snapchat filters but this was interesting because he'd used Snap Lens Studio, which is the tool they have for creating these things, to use it to do some of the gesture recognition. So when you held up your thumb like that, it would display a cartoon. Yes, and he did this for also if you left That's the cool. screen, be right back. And um, there was stuff around going ha ha, going no, and a few other of those hand gestures. I just thought that was an interesting idea—the idea that you can augment the video and like it's worth playing with this because it's a nice idea. And, you know, there was the kind of the goodbye type thing. And like going like that raises a question. It's just a really good visual cue. Nice. But I wonder whether there's more of that augmentation. I'd love to hear from listeners who have tried this out. Hmm. And this uh, Snapchat, and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes, are both interesting. But I wonder whether there's more there, including kind of like distraction, prevention, all those kind of things. I would love to hear some more recommendations on that. So
0: I think mm-hmm, which is that new kind of augmented presentation app where the camera sort of becomes the presentation palette and you can drag yourself around and appear over slides and things, I think they're talking about building in some of those kind of features. And it's strange as you, you were talking because we haven't ever discussed it at work or in a group that I frequently have to do Skype calls with, but almost sort of by unspoken agreement, when we're all muted and we're talking and making an agreement or somebody's asking for, you know, we're all doing big two thumbs up gestures and shaking our heads and this kind of stuff because quickly, you know, unmuting and saying, yes, I agree, or I don't agree or whatever is too disruptive. So we're kind of doing those gestures, but actually Slack has that kind of word. They, I think they invented, was it React-G, wasn't it? Which was basically reacting to a comment with an emoji to kind of give feedback. Yeah, And in a Slack video call you can do a reaction which sort of floats up the screen. It's a little bit like a, in a gaming metaphor where you know, That's cool. you get the points and it goes bling 100 and they kind of the 100 floats up into the air and you can do that with just the reactions there. And I think that would be exactly right, Rafe. I think that would be fantastic because we're finding ways to sort of participate without having a sidebar. I was in a meeting this week where we had a sidebar where we could sort of schedule our questions for the speaker and that somebody was trying to curate it. But text is a terrible way to, give kind of immediate Mm. feedback, because only five people need to go, yes, plus one, agree. And you've scrolled off the top of the page and you've lost that view. So I I love that idea. And I think those kind of enriched kind of camera, in some respect, actually, there was nothing, for ages, I wanted a virtual camera where I could manipulate the image better because I was frustrated. I used ManyCam, which is actually some streaming software, but it allowed you to put overlays and clocks and all those sorts of things on your image. And I didn't care about how they looked, but it allowed me to augment my image with how long's this meeting been going on for? And, you know, kind of what's the what's the topic that we're talking about for the day? Or, you know, kind of even to show images, because mm. quite a lot of the time I find that when you do screen sharing, either the Mac will say, oh, I haven't seen this app before. You need to give a load of permissions and quit the app mm. to give permissions. And that's very disruptive if you're trying to quickly join. But also, I was I speaking to somebody the other day who was a teacher, and she's teaching remotely, but she has a page of notes and she has a page of presentations. And she was saying that the trouble with the screen sharing is she's never 100% confident. Is she sharing her slide or is she sharing her speaker's notes? Mm. And because they're in a sort of a more of a webinar setting, people are reticent to sort of interrupt because she's on broadcast mode. So actually just being able to say, this is the picture I'm broadcasting and to drag things around and to have that control was fantastic. Just one more I wanted to add before we moved on, because I haven't actually found any of the video conferencing tools particularly better or worse. So I've been using Google Meet, I've been using Slack, I've been using Skype for Business and Consumer Skype, and I also have a bit of a soft spot for Whereby, which is a purely browser-based one. But they all have their pluses and minuses, but I think it's much more about the culture of the team and the needs of your team. I don't think I've spotted one, aside from when they all fell over due to overuse. But something I did spot was the terrible webcam positioning. And if we've yes. dealt with sound, you, and I just wanted to touch on webcams, the reason mm-hmm. I like this LG ultra fine 5k screen that you and I have got is that it's got a webcam built into the top of the screen and it works just like it would if it was a Mac with a little green light. And that's a perfect place to have the camera because it's great positioning, but actually so many people presenting, you know, kind of with the laptop pointing up their nose and this sorts of thing, or, mm. oh, there you go. Ewan's just changed his camera angle to show off. But, um, it's very frustrating and a lot of people don't want to go and spend money on webcams either because they're they were hard to find or you can't buy them anymore. Yeah. It's not something they anticipate needing for a long time. Yeah. So, I tried loads and loads of different apps that make your iPhone into a webcam. I appreciate this won't help Android users, but there are equivalent products. And the one I like best is called Camo, C A M O. It works over USB. You plug a USB cable into your computer, you plug the other end into your phone, you fire up the Camo app, and it becomes a webcam on your computer, which any of the apps I've ever wanted to use can see and you can use that. But the nice thing there is that because my iPhone has three lenses in it, it has a standard, a telephoto and a wide angle. Oh, that's quite nice, isn't it? Actually, when I needed to do a bit of sketching, I flipped it into wide angle mode, turned my camera around and faced it down to my desk. And we did some kind of pseudo whiteboarding, basically my iPhone just pointing down at the table in front of me and me with a Sharpie and a bit of paper. And it's not going to win any awards for kind of, you know, clever ways to win a meeting, but it's just mm. that kind of, oh, wow, you could move your camera around. So of course I can. I said, how many cameras have you got? Because I, I still have my webcam in front of me. So I flipped between my webcam and my phone. And if you want to impress, particularly like client or something, to have, you know, either a couple of angles or the ability to have a camera pointing at the piece of work or the document or something, you know, that's really nice. And if you do that, you're going to get the best quality With an app like Camo, lets you set the light levels, lets you fix the focus. That's really smart. I particularly like Camo because it's got all the features of the iPhone's camera. So you can press and hold and fix the focus point. So it's not going to suddenly start focusing on your microphone rather than you or something weird. Right. And you can also brighten things up and desaturate the color basically just have those nice little tweaks and then you can also choose what lens. So if we were doing something where I wanted to stand up, for example, if I was teaching, doing some teaching and I wanted to demonstrate how to play an instrument or if I wanted to demonstrate a yoga move or something, I mean, not that I'm a yoga teacher. Of course. I'd stick on the wide angle lens and from this little camera on my desk, you'd be able to see the whole of my room and I'd be able to stand up and show you a whole body pose or a position to hold a musical instrument or something, Hmm. you know, in a way that I'd have to be 10 yards away, you know, behind my computer right now to fit into a standard webcam image because it's just not designed for that purpose. So love that.
2: So do you use your existing iPhone for that? Then? Yeah. Or do you buy another one? Is the idea to buy a spare one, or use the old one, you know?
0: Well, for now, the idea is that this is a way to dodge buying another camera. So what I do is I just turn my iPhone into airplane mode, turn it around, point it at me for those meetings where I need the extra camera or those extra facilities. I mean, if you want to use a camera all day, every day, you're probably better getting a webcam tailored for your needs. Right. But if what you need is a quick fix, or if you're doing a RAFE, which is going into the office for ad hoc meetings and you quickly need a webcam in a place where you haven't got one, a few quids worth of software. Really
2: useful. The quality of the
0: cameras on your iPhone is far and away better than any webcam you will ever be able to buy. It's going to knock your socks off because, you know, a lot of money has gone into the development of lovely cameras in your iPhone or your Galaxy or anything like that. So thoroughly recommended. There are lots of apps that do this, but Camo is the one I recommend for iPhone because it works very, very well. Thank you. Okay, we are well over time. If you've got suggestions for how to make video conferencing less grim, particularly, I love the Snapchat, Snap Lens example Rafe was talking about because it's inventing a new way of communicating in adversity. I'm really fascinated. So let us know if you've done anything like that or if you've tried any of those techniques or if you've got better apps to recommend to make video conferencing better. At 361 Podcast on Twitter, 361podcast.com. You can find a way to send us an email or to leave a comment on this show. Don't forget that we will send you a lovely postcard, handwritten, and you could possibly win a bit of very limited edition, historically important Blandford estate merchandise if you leave a podcast review on the iTunes podcast store. But anyone, it can be the one in your country, it doesn't have to be the UK store because they all have different um, review lists. So just leave a review and uh, we will find you and uh, reward your generosity the funnier the better and uh and you know if you didn't like it leave a review that says you didn't like it that's cool too it's okay It's the reviews are after not five stars but you know if you wanted to give five stars that's that's fine too say something about in it though okay gentlemen it's uh, been a pleasure to chat to you we are back to one question three answers next episode so uh we haven't chosen our question yet so we'll have to get organized and choose a question but Lots of positive feedback for the One Question, Three Answers episode so far. So hopefully people are enjoying it and um, I'm enjoying making them as well. So uh, we'll do one more of those. And then, yes, we're a good way through the season. So if you've got any ideas for questions, drop us a line now for One Question, Three Answers. I think we're at the point now where we can say that we might do a few more next season as well. So your effort will not be wasted. Right, gents. Lovely to see you again. Lots of love.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you to everybody for listening and for all of your kind comments on Twitter. Oh. And we will be back next week. Bye-bye.
1: I kind of have to share with you, Mark, that as we did that second round of claps, then uh, held up his fingers reverse way outwards and went three, two, one. So... You know, he was being either V for victory or very rude.
2: Slightly rude. Very, very rude indeed. To me. But at least Mark is hearing me in buttery smooth tones, okay? He is not having to do the equivalent of scrape sandpaper up and down his arm. It's true.
1: Mark, this is why you don't give you a compliment because it lasts for months and months and months.
2: This is listening to Rafe Blanford or if. B- n- n- sm- <laughs> Because he's done something to his... Uh, uh, my, uh, oh. Right,
1: should we start talking about the uh, episode, Ben?
0: If you go in the office, if you plan to go in the office anytime soon, I'll talk to you about which bits of kit you could fish out of the magic bag. Fine. Go
2: into the kitchen, Blanford. Go into the bin in the kitchen, get a baked <laughs> bean.
1: <laughs> just shout into that bin. <laughs> uh, so painful listening to this.
2: <laughs> can of baked beans, right? Okay, just wash it out. <laughs> Put a little hole in it. Okay. <laughs> I will be able to hear you properly.
1: Record a podcast, they said. It would be nice, they said. Yeah. It'll be fun, they said. No. People will be nice to you, all because you record a podcast.
2: That's what we said. We're on the beach.
1: This is, you know, several straws past the uh, camel's back at the moment.
0: We're a long way from Cannes Beach now, aren't we? Yeah. Buttery smooth. (laughs) It's just
1: insufferable
0: now. I I was going to find you a joke. You don't deserve it. <laughs> what do you call a sleepwalking nun? Wait. A roaming Catholic. Uh, <sighs> that's good. Yeah. Okay. Are we going to do the podcast? Oh, no. no, no, no. Never challenge death to a pillow fight unless you're prepared for the repercussions. Repercussions. Uh, mm. Yeah,
2: yeah, I got that. Okay. Thank you, yeah. I got that. If we check how Mr. Uh, Mister Exec here is doing, you're you up for this postcard thing. Yeah. I am rather pleased with my idea here. I think it's, you know, inspired because, you know, it's a hobby for you. It'll keep you busy, right?
1: I just think it's a shame I'm not going to get very many postcards back. but um,
0: Well, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine I'm going to have to do more than 10 of these, so I'm I'm good with this.
0: Yeah, ever. <laughs> I'll make you a deal. If anyone expresses the desire to write back to you, I will set you up a PO box so that, you can, that people can write back to you yes. without exposing there your you. home address. <laughs>
2: You blew how much
1: on postcards? <laughs> uh, about £12. Extravagance. <laughs> Probably the thing that I blew more money on with, was this, which is why I'm quite happy to be sending in loads of postcards.
2: Ah, nice. Lots and lots of stamps.
0: Collecting pictures of the Queen.
2: Look, what are you going to do about this? Uh, I am getting worried about this um, plant here. If. it's fine no it is not fine this does not look healthy it's good. it's going to touch the edge of your screen soon
1: it's definitely not
0: yeah, it is do you have to duck under it
2: right go to go to the room go to the room and show us what do you do it's very bad feng shui <laughs> feng shui <laughs> it's the, the worst anglicization. look look at that he goes he touches it that is terrible <coughs> he's ducked under it
0: <laughs> ray flanford you live in an apartment on your own the one good thing about that is the ability to change the apartment to completely suit you everything can be perfect just for you why are you walking around that bit (laughs) now you're ducking under a giant plant
1: (laughs) (laughs) no I've actually got to find a new home for it I've got to do a bit of a sort out and find their winter bin winter homes because some of them are looking a bit sorry for themselves Ben has 911 sweeties he eats 420 what does he have now Uh, toothache diabetes (laughs) diabetes (laughs) <laughs> very good
0: right then gentlemen is there anything else we need to talk about
2: no is, is there any I mean we've done Blanford Estate we've done Blamford yeah we've done the postcard we've done his hair um, I mean it is looking a little bit mullet like today <gasps> Rafe that is desperate but I'm only quoting your colleague here <laughs> have you put more gel on it this time no
1: it's just getting past the cut quite short stage and not quite got to the laying down stage yet, oh so.
2: keep it like that that's okay, yeah um, Petty said, "Should I do your hair?" And then you know, just got the clippers, just because I couldn't get into the uh, barbers. And then um, it's now a week on. The only trouble is, you have if you're going to do do that kind of shaved thing, if you don't do it correctly, it starts to get angles. <laughs> so I was starting to get angles. So I was having to uh, wax the angles, basically. <laughs> so I I, I I managed to get into the hairdressers today, and they they cut it, even though there's next to nothing of it left. They've yeah, fixed it
0: right then gentlemen shall we end the recording as we started which is all coordinated oh let's
2: just yeah wait a minute what am i going to do what am i going to do
1: turn the fridge back on well
2: first of all you gotta stop the Ah, record
1: that's not what i meant no got the checklist in the wrong order useless i mean really useless and now he's gone for a run checklist has to be in the right order you Stop recording first, Ewan. Honestly. Right,
0: you've got your audio hijacked. Let's let's stop recording because poor old Mark has to listen to this nonsense.
1: Yeah, Mark, I'm sorry.
0: Thanks, Mark. So,
2: yeah, but you can listen to it in buttery smooth from me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right, three, two, one, stop.